listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show, episode number 69. You got it out first. I did it. I usually do it. I'm totally the best. (laughs) I won. So today... Okay. Well, today um, on our episode, we actually have a guest today, and we're excited about this because... Hey, I don't really know much about this guest. Well, that's what makes it awesome is we get to have our conversation and learn something you know new about someone, which is always the fun part. Now, people listening may know everything about her. so But for us, this is going to be fun because I like talking to someone that I'm actually getting to know at the moment. Yep. And our guest today is Robin Switzer. And correct me if I get this wrong, Robin, but you are the chief operating officer of KetoCon? Yes. Okay. So we are going to be talking all things KetoCon today after we get to know Robin a little bit. <laughs> and we're excited about a lot of changes coming to the conference. So we're going to hit on all that. So you guys make sure you stay tuned to hear everything that's going to happen at the very next KetoCon, which you don't want to miss. No, you don't want to miss. We're a huge fan of, of KetoCon. And that's why it's so fun to have Robin on because she's going to talk more about you know you know how they got started how they've been growing and what they're going to do in the future, which should be exciting for everybody listening. Exactly. So without further ado, Robin, let's get to know you a little bit. So (laughs) tell us first, just a little bit of your own personal background. We want to get into this whole thing of how you even came into the ketogenic lifestyle. Okay. Uh, Well, first, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to, uh, share a little bit about my story and you would, you are assuming that people know, a lot about me, but most people don't even have a clue who I am. So <laughs> I'm usually in the you know the background of everything that's going on because I'm orchestrating everything. So um, yeah, most people don't know who I am. So I appreciate the chance to to share the story. Oh, uh, absolutely. My background is pretty similar from a health perspective to a lot of people who come to this space. So uh, I have a lifetime history of uh, dealing with anxiety, depression, hormonal dysregulation, weight issues, all of those things that are tied to metabolic issues that no one knew to um, identify and treat with diet. And over the course of my lifetime, um, I have been, if you name a diet, I guarantee you I've been on it. (laughs) I mean, without exception, even the dangerous ones, um, out of desperation. And this literally started, I remember the first time at 11 years old. And I'm, I just turned 57. So it's been a long time. Interestingly, over the course of all of these challenges over my lifetime, I always had a, a um, an inclination to always steer towards diet. And I don't know if it was out of vanity because I wanted to lose weight or if because there was a intuitive part of me that knew that this was tied together somehow. Mm-hmm. And um, as I got into my late teens and early 20s, I made the connection of how food made me feel. So um, that didn't solve anything, but it kept me on the course. So uh, back in around 2000, uh, I would say like the mid 2000, maybe 2005-ish, I found low carb and that started a big transformation for me. Uh, I saw the difference in how I felt emotionally. I still struggled with the weight and I struggled with the food addiction issues, but from a hormonal side, I was getting better internally. And it took quite a while because the food addiction issues kept on rearing their heads. So, and I didn't cut out those things that were 
that would uh, initiate some sort of a reaction from me or cause a reaction that I wasn't cognizant of. So um, at the time, uh, we I guess we could jump forward to like around 2015, uh, I found keto. And that was when I had like a huge like catapult in improvement in health and weight. And my weight normalized and I saw a big difference in my hormonal fluctuations and leveling of anxiety, depression, and that kind of stuff. And um, at the time, I was working for a large global bank in an executive leadership position. So I was under a huge amount of stress. And I've I got this inkling one day and thought, you know, I've always had this interest in health and wellness. I've always, you know, uh, wanted to solve this for myself. And if I could, if I could surround myself with nothing but the solutions, maybe I could find a solution for myself and also get off this corporate wheel. So I uh, was in a Facebook group called um, Keto Evangelist or Ketogenic Success, sorry, that was run by Brian Williamson and a, a team of other people, one of many of Facebook groups, by the way. And Brian one day put out a uh, post that he was looking for a project manager. I had been listening to his podcasts for probably a year by then. And um, he's a likable person. And I thought this, you know, this would be an interesting conversation. If nothing else, it's an opportunity for me to meet somebody in this space. So Brian and I chatted and um, that turned into several chats. And before I knew it, I was working for him, running, getting acclimated to the Keto Evangelist family of business lines. And, um, but I was doing it on the side because I, he couldn't really afford to pay me at the time. And I couldn't afford to leave my corporate job. There were a lot of things that had to change if I was going to jump that ship. So that lasted for about a year. And the following year, our internal Keto Evangelist team went on one of the low-carb cruises together. And after a week of being with everybody and not having to deal with my corporate day job, I went home and I said to my husband, I have to do this now. And for a few weeks, we worked on the financial side of what does this look like if I don't make any money a year from now? And a month later, I jumped ship. Wow. Literally 30 days later, I turned in my resignation. And 30 days after that, I was working for Keto Evangelist full time. And three months after that, we did the first KetoCon. Wow. Yeah. And so the funny thing is about all of this is I had never put on an event. My event experience had been limited to speaking at events as an attendee at an event, but I had never been behind the scenes. I only knew what the speakers and the exhibitors expected. So I built around that. So uh, in year one, we had uh, 550 people at KetoCon and about 36 exhibitors. In year two, we had 850 attendees and 80 exhibitors. Last year, year three, or 2019, we had 3,500 people at KetoCon. That's and, a big growth. Yeah. And um, 128 exhibitors. Wow. So that's what we're, pl we're planning to meet. We're planning to exceed that for next year. We've already sold 1,000 tickets for next year. And uh, our exhibitor capacity is 138. We just, about two months ago, finished the floor plans. So... Yeah, it's been a it's been a like roller coaster ride. Very exciting, and you know we this we've we've built exactly what we wanted to build, but uh, we didn't think it would happen like so fast. So we've had our nose to the grindstone for three years working on this, working on this, and working on this. And I guess we didn't think we would catapult from the size we were year two to the size we were year three. We thought that the growth would be a little bit slower. So well, I think that that matches the growth in the industry, really, just uh, the explosion of the ketogenic diet. We were just, you know, at the bookstore the other day and and we monitor like, you know, the magazines and the books that are out on keto and and the the, the amount of information out there and the amount of publications that are keto has has doubled or quadrupled in the just the past two years. 
Oh yeah. We walk in and in the space where they have cookbooks, you know, and a Barnes and Noble, it's just gone from this skinny little section to it's taking up almost an entire row. And then it's spilling over onto a second row, you know, aisle of books now. So it's and everything. When you walk in, they've got displays and it's like the keto guide for every magazine publication is (laughs) out. So it's like, and then when you have an organization such as KetoCon, you can see why that growth is happening so fast because people are so interested in their health and they're finally able to get information so easily where they can do what you have done and I've done and Steve has done, which is take control of our health right. and become our own best you know, health advocate. And it gives people a space to go and be around other people who are right. doing the same thing like you found. Sure. And it, it feels so good to when you get around people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. Right. I agree. Yeah. I mean, that was really the goal to build a community. And so, I mean, uh, we've, we've definitely had um, our hurdles, but uh, the strength of what's happening or the pace of what's happening with the strengths of the community is, is lent really well to, to the mission that we have. So um, one of the things, I I skipped the end of where I am as far as my journey and jumped right into KetoCon. And (laughs) we can go back to that if you want, or we can continue to talk about KetoCon. No, Um, let's go back to you. Okay. I have have a habit of doing that. So I get derailed easily. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all very exciting stuff. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think the the, uh, evolution of what I've experienced... I, I found the ketogenic diet and did really well on it. And again, those, my food addictions to triggering like hyper um, palatable foods just kept on catching up with me. And I, while I was dealing, I was addressing the physical part of all of this. I never really addressed the emotional side of it. And so in January of this year, I started um, eliminating foods out of my diet until I became strictly carnivore. And if you had asked me six months before that, if I would do that, I would tell you, absolutely not. There's no way that, you know, that could be good for you. But I have to tell you that I went from the majority of the time being somewhere between 80 and 90% to like pretty much all the time being 99 to hundred percent. So the carnivore side of this, the elimination of all of those outside triggering hyper palatable foods completely took care of the food addiction issues for me. So I do find that I still tend to eat in volume, but that doesn't seem to impact me the way it did when I was including other foods in my diet. So when you eliminated things to become carnivore, what were some of the, because this might help somebody, what were some of the food triggers for you on a ketogenic diet? Because a lot of times people don't equate that they're eating keto, so they feel like they're doing something really good for themselves, but there still are those triggers. Mm-hmm. Those I call them just keto junk food. You yeah. know, there's still keto junk food out there. So yeah, what were some of your triggers that, that were derailing you? Uh, well, anything hyper palatable. So mostly sweets, um, baked goods, that kind of stuff. Uh, it would be very easy for me to eat something that by definition is uh, acceptable in the ketogenic diet. And that would trigger me to want more. So, you know, uh, many of those uh, things taste really good. And a lot of people do really well with them. They can use them as a meal substitute. They can use them on the go. They didn't, just didn't work for me. So, I mean, that kind of translated into something that we're doing at KetoCon. Which, so we have a banned ingredient list for KetoCon. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we did that is for the reason that I've explained is that a lot of people just don't have, they're not cognizant of how impactful the ingredients in a product are. So at the same time, there are people who are coming into this space a lot at 
at a very quick pace who are coming from standard American diet. And if there was nothing transitional for them, they're not going to jump into the majority of the time. They're not going to jump from standard American diet to carnivore or even to a really super strict, clean keto. People are coming into this space, newbies, looking for ways to ketovize their favorite foods, the keto pizzas, the keto breakfast cereals, the, you know, all that stuff. And while some people do really well on it, I did not. And I'm really hyper aware of that. So um, we have that banned ingredient list and we've turned away a lot of exhibitors because they have those ingredients in the products and we have to draw a line somewhere. What we know is best for the community, what can be used as a transitional item and what should just not be in your protocol at all. Well, and that's, that's those are all great points. And I, I know one of the things we always talk about is, is the keto ice cream. Um, you know, it, it's, it's keto uh, technically, but that's definitely a pitfall that people can, can walk into. If you start eating keto ice cream, that's going to trigger, like you said, cravings for additional food that you probably don't need. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about going from, you know, making the leap to keto is a big leap for a lot of people because sure. you're going against the standard guidelines of, of any doctor or dietitian, basically. You're, you're, you're walking against the grain. Now you go to carnivore. How did you, how did you let yourself like, emotionally and logically make the leap to, I'm going to do this and see what happens? Well, you know, I've given that a lot of thought. And the truth of the matter is, there was nothing else left to do. Like I've done everything else and I'm already way out in left field compared to 90% of my contemporaries. Yes. Yes. So we what's are. another five or 10%. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> the other thing is honestly, I mean, I saw other people in the community doing so well with it. So, I mean, Sean Baker's done an extremely good job of educating the community Um, Dr. Paul Saladino comes from a very educational science-based perspective and he's, he's a psychiatrist. So he, he sees the mental side of this thing. So I just spent a lot of time researching it and I thought, you know, if I do this for 30 days and I feel worse, it certainly couldn't be any worse for me than other things that I've done a lot of bad stuff when it comes to diet in the past. (laughs) So, I mean, what's 30 days? Well, 30 days made a huge difference. I felt great. And that turned into 10 months. And I, I mean, I'm not, I hate to say never because I mean, every once in a while I want a salad, but I certainly don't ever want to go back to any grains or powdered nuts or definitely not nuts. Those didn't agree with me. And I've just found that this is so simple. I spend very little time shopping. I spend very little time cooking. I mean, it's just opened up windows of time for me that I didn't have before because I was so obsessed with what meal is next and what to cook next. And that, you know, that that's something that we talk about a lot because you talked earlier about being in the corporate world and all the stress. And then now even though you're in an environment that really you love with the ketogenic community, you're still very busy. Mm -hmm. So deciding what to eat every day is usually a big decision for most people. That's why people spend a lot of time just just trying to figure out what they're going to eat. So when you simplify it and you take all of that decision-making away, it relieves a level of anxiety that most people have. They don't even really realize is there. Right. Because people right. stress about what they're going to eat next. Right. And I know we felt the same way. For me, I, it's just like you said, it, it has freed up so much time. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It is. You know, it was, your story ahead. is very much like ours. Like, you know, you, you did the, all right, commit for 30 days. And at the end of the 30 days, you just didn't, you felt so great. You, hey, let's just keep going. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what we did. It's such a familiar story with, and we encourage people to do that all the time. Like you should experiment and, you know, set a time frame and experiment with your diet and see how it makes you feel because what do you have to lose? Right. The 30 days is going to pass anyway. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that is that is really our story. Now we're coming up on in January, we'll come up on our two year car anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we started uh, back in January of twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No, twenty eighteen. Twenty eight. 2018. Yeah. Sorry, 2018. I got my years. And, and like she just said, the years just go by. The years just go right. by. I don't even right. know what day it is anymore. So no, you are, you're coming from a place of experience that you can share with people that, like someone like me, can't. I haven't. I haven't been down that path as long. And you guys have clearly done an incredible job of implementing this into your diet because I see what you're doing online and I hear what you're doing on the podcast. So. Clearly, there's there's a reason to head in this direction. Well, it's made such a difference for us because just like you said, A, it's an elimination diet. And when you have stuff that you can't figure out what is going on, what better way to figure it out than to pretty much pare it down to one or two or three foods. And then when you add something back, you can tell immediately how that food affects you positively or negatively. And I think sure. that's a big thing where when we tell people 30 days, it's a great elimination process. And I, like you, I did every diet under the sun. So, and I, I remember you said 11. I remember I had a book that my mom bought for me at a Sanger Harris before it was Foley's or Macy's. And I, it was 1980. So I was nine years old and the book was what to do when and where, and it was a, for girls, you know, and everything in it, it got me started on this whole diet mentality because it had places in it to write your weight and how, you know, and exercises and all these different etiquette things. And that got me started on being concerned about my weight at age nine. Mm -hmm. So then I watched my mom diet. So I understand, you know, coming from that background where you're like trying every single thing, even the grapefruit diet, the the three-day diet, the hot Yeah, the cabbage soup, (laughs) all those things. So yes, I'm really familiar with that. And then doing this, the the amazing thing is that this, if you want to call it a diet, this way of eating is so nutritious that when you compare it to the diets that probably you and I have both tried and the way that you felt on those where you were starving and hungry and tired and fatigued, Versus this, where you eat until you're satisfied, and then you don't get hungry for a very long time, and then you're nourished, which is the big thing. Right. So that's... You know, um, I was looking back on... I keep my, my um, lab results from when I get blood work done, and I have them back all the way into like the late 80s. <laughs> Wow. And um, yeah, I, I have, I, I'm not a pack rat at all, but there's something about lab results it's for whatever reason I saved them. And, um, you know, I looked back on my earliest lab results and my A1C was um, pretty high. No one ever called me on it. My fasting glucose was pretty high and no one ever called me on it. Um, but one of the things that's relevant to this discussion is my B, my B levels. I was anemic for years, years. And, um, and my vitamin B was super low because of trying to, to be uh, a vegan mm-hmm. or when I was a raw foodist or when I was on a fruitarian diet or whatever. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, it's that amazing familiar. that I have a metabolism at all. <laughs> but um, anyway, I look back on those levels and I mean, they were all over the place, low, like dangerously low. No one ever said anything to me about it. And I recently had some blood work done and I am perfect across the board. So there's no worries about my B12, my B6, my iron, nothing. That's incredible. So that's pretty telling just by itself. Oh, 100%. Because, you know, it's amazing that no one ever said anything to you about any of that. And you wonder how many people are going through life with that same scenario where they have these numbers that really are crucial, A1C numbers and high high blood glucose levels, and their physician isn't calling them on it and saying, hey, we need to talk about your diet. Right. You know, I know I've gone to the doctor before in the past, and I had a call from a pharmacy that said, 
um, you need to come pick up your prescription. Well, my physician didn't even tell me that they wrote me a prescription. So, you know, I've had that happen and you don't even know what it's for. So there are so many cases like that. And that's why we love getting this word out so that people can take charge of their own health. Because had you really had this information in the past during that time, you might have been able to go, okay, that that's not good. How do I get my A1C down? Right. Blood glucose regulated. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree. You know, you, you talked about building a community and you, and you got, a, sounds like a really good support system around you for, for, you know, experimenting with your health outside of that. What are the things that, you know, have you talked to your doctor or, you know, people in your family around you that kind of know what you're doing and what have they said? Because we get this kind of uh, social interaction a lot. Yeah. Um, my family's extremely supportive. So um, my immediate family, my husband, my, I have two grown sons that are very supportive. Um, both of my sons follow a low carb to keto ish food plan just because they are cognizant of what they're doing. Um, they're both really fit. They both exercise a lot. Uh, and my husband is, I wouldn't call my husband, um, carnivore because he eats a lot of greens, but my husband is like super fit and super lean. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I don't, we don't have any, uh, you know, power issues and what comes into the house and what doesn't because neither one of us want it or want to keep it in the house. So that's not a problem for me at all. Outside of that circle, um, I would say that the reins get a lot looser, but I mean, my immediate circle is what's most important to me. I mean, more more contact with them on a regular basis. My friends, um, I would say none of my friends, especially my uh, the people in my age group, um, are here. Uh, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Just in case well, any of them of hear time. this. A lot of times you find that people are peaked, their interest is peaked because they see you doing so well. Mm -hmm. But then when you tell them what you're doing, we get this a lot personally. Oh, that's not health. That can't be healthy. But they've just said, you look so healthy. Like your skin looks good. You look fit and you're doing all these things. You're not on any medications. Oh, but what you're eating can't be healthy. So we get that a lot. Yeah. I I had a conversation with somebody recently who who actually approached me the same way that you're the way that you're describing, and um, I told her what I do, and she said, "Well, you mean you don't drink alcohol?" And I said, "No, I mean it took me a while, but I I really don't like. I used to be a big wine drinker. I don't really care for it anymore." And um, she said, "Well, I just don't have time for all that, and so I'd rather just have a bar, something like that." And I said, "Well." I don't do that, but here's what you can do, you know, to replace that. Um, I, I, I really think that you ha- to come to this place and be successful, you have to want it. Like I could talk myself blue in the face to try and educate people, but I, I'm not going to go out looking for people and initiate the conversation because unless you want to do it, there's, it's really difficult to make a change like that. You have to. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the best point. And that's why we love having these conversations because you start to reveal why you got there, what challenge uh, got you into this position. You know, everybody has to reach that point in their life where they're like, nothing has worked. I'm going to try this. And then, like, the magic happens. So, until somebody reaches that point where they've done everything else and they're, they're basically backed into a corner. Sometimes they'll, they just won't, they're just not going to try it until that happens. Isn't that a shame? It, it, it is. Yeah, it it's really so is. It's sad that you have to sit. I mean, the, the general population suffers to a point where they're risking their life before a change is made. I mean, I'd love to, I mean, that kind of gets me off on a tangent about, you know, how, I'd love to see changes at younger ages. You know, people need education at a much younger age. I do see it somewhat, but I was recently at someone's house who has a very young child and I was, look, they were using a powdered formula and the first ingredient in the formula is corn syrup. 
So that was so disheartening for me. Um, And they were young people. So to not have the education, no one's educating them on what they're doing. And they love their kids. They love their family. They'd never do anything to hurt them. They're trying to do the right thing. And they don't even know that they're not. And that's, that's the absolute point right there is, is there's so much conflicting information. Uh, You know, keto is still referred to as a fad diet that is discouraged by dietitians and doctors. Mm -hmm. So, but what you're doing, you know, being involved with KetoCon and just being the example uh, for everyone else, you're, you're changing that day by day. I hope so. That was a great (laughs) segue into KetoCon again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. We, we went to KetoCon this past uh, year in 2019 Mm -hmm. and it was our first time. It was absolutely the most fun. I mean, I will say of conferences, when you think of a conference and you think of a health conference, some people are kind of like, I don't want to go sit and listen to lectures by people all day. But this was like a carnival and a, a health conference all rolled up into one, wouldn't you say? Well, it, well for, for us, it, it just feels like a huge social event because right. you know, as we say before, if you're, if you're on the outskirts of doing keto or, or carnivore, most people uh, kind of think you're crazy. So you're, you're just around everybody that's crazy like you. So you, know, <laughs> you feel better and you have these great conversations and you learn how people have gotten to where they're at and what they're doing and, and how they're trying to grow the community and, and what they're doing in the future. And it's just, it's just really fun. It's, it was so much fun. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, there are a lot of speakers. We have slots for 45 speakers. I've sent invitations to speak to 75 people and we will have 45 speakers. We'll have three, four, maybe five panels um, carnivore cast, um, will be there t- taping of a, a uh, episode of their podcast live during KetoCon, So that'll be a lot of fun. That's cool. I mean, there is a lot of speakers and we want to be able to educate people, but on the other side, there's 138, if we can fit 140 different companies that are bringing either, you know, food products, technology products, um, exercise equipment, you know, healthy skin products, all of that kind of stuff, everything to kind of up your health and wellness lifestyle. Combine that over the course of three days with cooking demos every day with um, we're working in uh, functional movement and body weight classes each day. There's just going to be so much going on every day. And there's a few other things in the works that I can't share right now until they're finalized, but there'll be so much activity. I mean, our goal really is for people to walk in the door and say, I don't know what to do first. You know, <laughs> there's so many things to do. I'm afraid to miss something. That's the goal. Uh, there's one keynote stage in the main hall. And then we have breakout rooms upstairs that are smaller, more intimate um, sessions where people are presenting in there as well. So from start to finish, I have to say, just thinking about it, I'm getting tired already, but uh, <laughs> from start to finish, I mean, we go nonstop. We open, you know, the doors at seven o'clock on Friday morning and at four thirty on Sunday, we're done. And the goal is to, for people like you who come to KetoCon, who have lots of friends on social media to be able to connect in the same place for everybody to feel part of there in a community like you said, that's accepting and everyone's doing the same thing, just trying to improve their health. Just that alone is such a positive, uh, a positive uh, note because everybody's there for a positive reason. Right. And the, the other thing is, is that we've seen so much of this and this floored me the first year. I have seen as a result of being at KetoCon, so many collaborations between uh, the different sponsors and exhibitors. So and I don't know if it'll be like this again this year because I can never tell. I mean, it felt very inclusive in that the exhibitors wanted to help each other grow rather than to compete with each other. It just, it could be my, I could be being very naive to think that that could last, but that's what we've seen year after year, collaborations taking place 
social media personalities are coming and promoting uh, these events. I've seen ticket sales going to people from GNC, to people from grocery store chains, to TJ Maxx foods buyers. Um, what was it? HEB is one HEB is one of the grocery chains that I saw ticket sales go through for. So I, this is becoming, I mean, it's kind of taking on a life of its own, we, but we want it to always remain relatable and comfortable for new people who, you know, are just walking in to the space. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're right. The more it grows, uh, the more you're going to see probably competition, uh, increase, right. And, you know, but there is space for everybody. And we know a lot of the vendors, um, you know, you know, F mom with Ross and Kara, they're great people. And so there, okay. there, there are reasons for getting in the business was not, Hey, let's come in here and make a lot of money. Their reason was, Hey, how do we help improve people's health? And a, a lot of the vendors that are at KetoCon, that's, that's their intention. So when your intentions are so good uh, and you show up and you're meeting all these great people and you see how you can help other vendors, um, you know, good people are going to do good things. And I say this all the time. There's way more good people in the world than there are bad people. And, you know, when you go to a place like KetoCon and you're meeting all these great people doing great things, it. it makes you feel so good. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why it's so great about what you're doing. And we're so excited about it. Well, thank you. It's a lot of fun to be part of something so positive. It really is. So when we talked before on the phone, we were talking about a little bit of changes that might be coming to KetoCon in the future. Are you okay with talking a little bit about some of those changes that might be coming up? Uh, Well, I touched on a couple of them already with things that we're adding to the event. And... um, The rest of it, I can't really talk about yet. Okay. <laughs> you, did, you did touch on adding, uh, you know, functional movement classes and things like that. What, uh, what should people expect to see in that area? Well, I just actually finalized that this past week. So um, there is a girl who teaches this type of uh, movement class that's local to Austin. And she is going to be teaching a class, on, one class on Friday, one class on Saturday, and one class on Sunday. And we will be updating the website uh, week after next with all of that information. People will have to reserve a, a spot to be part of the class because we have to limit the, each class to 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is new to KetoCon because we tried doing yoga. And in order to do that, we had to have the class inside the hall. And it's a concrete floor. So there, there was an issue with that. And we had it really early in the morning every day. We didn't realize that there would be so much partying going on at night. (laughs) So while a lot of people bought tickets to it, most of them didn't come. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) who knew there'd be so much partying going on in Austin? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, um, so that in itself is new to KetoCon. The other thing that we didn't talk about is the Entrepreneur Mastermind Session. So we hold that early on Saturday morning. And um, we've sold out every year with that event. So we bring in a panel of um, entrepreneurs that are willing to share their experience starting a new business, how they've grown it, what their goals are, you know, the strategies for growth. And then um, last year we had a panel of seven. We'll probably do that again this year. And then we open it up to the floor. So people who are attending can ask their personal pressing questions, how they accomplish whatever it is that they're, that they're struggling with. So we'll be doing that again this year. And then last year we had the cooking demos out on the exhibitor floor Mm-hmm. And that um, was very successful, but we ran out of space. So there was not enough space for everybody to sit and actually see what was going on. So this year, we're going to move those demos to the keynote stage after the last panel is done. And the setup will be that there'll be a um, like a typical food demo type of setup on the stage with mirrors reflecting back so people in the audience can see the cooking. But our um, AV team will be broadcasting the demos on the screens that are on either side of the stage so that a thousand people, that area can seat about 
1,200 people. So if there's 1,200 people, they'll, they'll all be able to see what's going on. And the people who are coming in to do the demos this year are new to KetoCon also. So um, that'll be exciting. Very nice. Yeah, it sounds like a, a, a lot of fun. I mean, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, we are definitely looking forward to it ourselves. And I know that um, if someone is looking to get tickets, we're going to post a link to that. Now, the tickets have gone back to full price, right? No, they haven't. They Um, haven't? Oh! No, the early bird ticket sale uh, ended on the 30th, but we did not increase it to full price. We increased the ticket price $50. <clears throat> so that's still a really good deal. Yeah, it's still, it's still a bargain. Yeah, we uh, the 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 full price for the three days is three hundred dollars, and right now the tickets are two hundred dollars, and they will be two hundred dollars through the end of the year, and then they will go to two fifty, and as we go closer to the event, they'll go to three hundred, and then they'll stay there. Now I know you said that there's already been a thousand ticket sales. Yeah, and I know there's limited space. Yeah. So if somebody is looking to come, they should not wait too long because as this has grown, as you've said over the last three years, there's not a reason to think that it wouldn't surpass what you had last year by a lot, especially since keto is so prevalent in like our, our world now and people searching for it. It's one of the most searched items on the internet. Mm-hmm. Right. So if people are interested in doing it, I would say you need to, you need to check your schedule and you need to jump on it quick. I, I so, would agree. I mean, right now is a, the tickets are the lowest price they're going to be right now. And, and our, our uh, full price ticket, $300 is a discount from what we've done in the past. And we got feedback that $400 was too steep and so we cut back in other places so that we could lower the price, the, re- the full price to 300. We can't lower it any more than that. So we don't do discounts throughout the year. We offer an early bird. We keep the ticket price low as long as we can. And as we get closer, we have to, we have, to have the funds to pay to put the event on. So it requires that we have those, that we keep the ticket prices without discounting them. Absolutely. So if someone hasn't ever been to the, and it's still going to be in the Palmer Center in Austin. So if someone hasn't been there, it's a great facility because that was the first time I'd ever been. And a lot of times, you know, you go to a conference and bathrooms are crowded or when you go to the, you know, you need that break. There was so much space. There's so many places. That's such a wonderful place to have a conference because the parking is great the facilities are amazing and it was just very convenient to walkability in downtown Austin. So there's a park right there. So for anybody who hasn't ever been there, it's, it's a great place to go. And on a break, you can get outside and be outside. It's a little hot because it's Austin. So <laughs> It is warm. It is Texas. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, it was, it was just, I wish we could have two a year. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sorry. That may happen. That extra, <laughs> that extra work on you, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at that actually. And that's one of the things that's in the works is to do a second, to do two events next year. Wow. Um, one in Austin and um, I'm not sure the location of the other. I can't share that. One yet, elsewhere. Yeah. One, <laughs> one elsewhere. Maybe Correct. a little cooler environment. Maybe. Like, as far as temperature cool, because Austin, let's face it, it's cool. As far as <laughs> Austin cool. is a cool city. <laughs> it's not a cool place to be as far as weather, but <laughs> on Very the cool. scale. Yep. Yeah, you know, um, it, it, back to your comment about tickets and purchasing early, we will cap ticket sales this year because... As you saw in the space that we have, I mean, we, I don't think we could fit more than 4,000 people in there. Mm-hmm. So we will cap ticket sales at 4,000, at least for 2020. Now for 2021, we are trying to reserve a space at the Palmer Center where we have two halls. Like right now, the Palmer Center has two large halls. We are in the largest one, but, but we've never been able to secure the other one at the same weekend. So in 2021, that's what I'm working on to have both halls. And at that 
will give us the opportunity to expand to the largest that we can at that venue. That's what what, would, what would that look like as far as um, capacity goes for having two halls that size? What, how many people could we expect to be, get in there? It scares me to say it out loud. Um, <laughs> probably 8,000 people. I think we could wow. double it. Yeah. So last year, when we were just walking through the Expo Center, there were moments where it got really um, high traffic. Yeah. And you had to squeeze through a little bit to get to different vendors that you wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. But it was still very accessible for all of the time we were there. And mm-hmm. I can imagine if it doubles and then triples that this is going to just get like, you're going to want to get there early yep. and you're going to want to stay late because <laughs> there's so much to do. Yeah. One of the things that we had a challenge with this year was um, ticketing. So we, up until now, have had a, a pretty simple WordPress website, and we used a plug-in for ticket sales. And we rebuilt our website, and we now use Eventbrite. So what that means is that it will simplify the check-in process each day. So uh, as people buy tickets, they get... an email from Eventbrite with a printout of their ticket. And if they use the Eventbrite app, they can download their ticket to their phone or whatever device they're carrying. And they can use that to sign in each day. Um, The first day is still going to be crowded because we hand out name badges on the first day. But then the second and third day, people should be able to hold up their ticket or their phone and put it up to a scanner and walk right in. And then... Uh, in 2021, when we're in both halls, as you saw this past year, it got it got crowded at times in that hall. But when we remove the keynote stage area and put that in the other hall, and that becomes pure exhibitor hall space, that will open up space for a lot more vendors, um, and it will also open up space so that we can make the aisles wider. So. That's why I'm saying we're going to cap our ticket sales at 4,000 this year, because if it's more than that, it won't be a positive experience for the attendees. It'd be too crowded. Well, we're looking, I know we're looking forward to it for sure. So let's go ahead and let's, we haven't even said when this is taking place. So we're looking at 2020 now, which Mm -hmm. is so weird to say, don't you think? I know. (laughs) So strange. And then you said 2021. I feel like I'm just like, (laughs) <laughs> in the future in some sort of sci-fi movie with those years but we're looking at june 12th right mm-hmm. 14th correct Is that correct so in austin at the palmer center june 12th through 14th of 2020 mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> yeah we'll be there well it's going to be 2020 in three months i know it's amazing that's just crazy it is amazing it's amazing and disappointing all at the same time. <laughs> it is going fast. It is. Well, I know we've taken up a bit of your time today, but we really appreciate you coming on and talking about all the changes that are taking place and just letting us get to know you a little bit because I know that you said people probably don't know who you are, but if someone does come to KetoCon and they see you maybe passed out somewhere because you're so tired, <laughs> they should stop and say hello. Yes, they should. They absolutely should. And so where we can find you is you have, you do have an Instagram, correct? Mm -hmm. The Robin Switzer. The Robin Switzer. I'm I'm not hugely active on social media, but when I am, I'm usually on Instagram. Um, Okay. And the other way that people can stay on top of what's going on related to KetoCon the KetoCon Instagram is super active. We also have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And on our website, it's super easy to sign up for email updates. And we find that email is really the most effective way to make sure that we're reaching everybody. Because with different filters and algorithms and rules that change daily on Instagram and Facebook, we don't know that everybody is seeing the updates. Right. So prefer to, to reach out to people by email. Um, but those are really the best ways to find out what's going on with KetoCon. 
Right. So people can go to ketocon.org and sign up to be notified by email on all the different updates. And also they can go there. Um, We'll post a link for them to get their tickets. And then they can follow you on Instagram, follow KetoCon on Instagram and Mm -hmm. keep up to date with all the things that are going on. Because I know that y'all post who the speakers are going to be. And that information comes out as it gets closer, I know. And then um, people can kind of find out and see the schedule on the website where they can start planning. Like you said, there's going to be so much to do. They're going to have to make a decision of what they want to do. And there'll be different discussions going on in those breakout rooms that someone's going to find, you know, their perfect fit for what Mm -hmm. they're maybe going through, which is what I love about conferences like this, because there is something for pretty much every single situation. Oh yeah. That's the goal is to make sure that there's something for everybody. Absolutely. Um, Well, Robin, I I know you said, you know, people probably don't know who you are, but they're (laughs) going to know now because what you're doing for the community is really inspiring and you've taken your experience and, you know, furthered it by now you're, you're growing it and you're doing things for not just for yourself, but for the community in general, which is very admirable. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we again, appreciate you coming on. Is there any other thing that you would like to leave us with today? Um, really, I just want to say thank you. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to meet you guys, to talk to you, to get to know you, uh, and to learn more about your experience so that we can continue to share all this with the community. Well, Robin, we appreciate it. Um, we hope all our listeners have a great day. We appreciate you tuning in. Go out there, eat fat, and prosper. Thanks for listening to The Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to vtkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.